Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. The Podcast Playground. Hooray! I'm Buzz Knight, and welcome to Take It A Walk, music history on foot. Follow Take It A Walk at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It'd also be great if you share this podcast with a friend if you like it. And leaving us a review is uh, great for us as well. You know, we like talking about uh, two of my favorite topics on Taking a Walk. Music, certainly, and radio, and folks involved with both sides of uh, those businesses. And today, we go across the pond to lovely Ireland to talk with a man responsible for branded content partnerships at RTE, Ireland's national television and radio broadcaster. He's also the author of a music book, From the Cradle to the Stage. Welcome, Alan Swan, to Taking a Walk. Well, hello, Alan, and thanks for being on Taking a Walk uh, all the way, way across the pond. My pleasure, Buzz. It's, it's, a, it's a long walk from Dublin to Boston. It's a great one, though, that's for sure. It certainly is. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. Thanks for being on. So Irish music is, is so wonderful. And your book, From the Cradle to the Stage, focuses on a uh, pretty vast variety of artists. Uh, when were you first moved to uh, write about so many of these great uh, musicians? Um, 
it came during a period of my life where I had started in radio in Ireland for a radio station. This is years ago. It's the 20th anniversary this year, actually, of the book. And I was presenting the breakfast show, the morning show, on a station called CKR, which is a kind of a local radio station in kind of Carlo Kildare way back when. It's about 2003. And uh, when I was doing the morning show, um, you know, I was always mad into my kind of music and bands and all these bands used to visit us in studio all the time. And I'd finish the show at 9am and then I, I used to have this kind of really long day where I do my prep for the following morning and I do all my work from bits and bobs and voiceovers and stuff. And I was left with this kind of huge gap in the day. And I thought, God, you know, I'd love to write more about these kind of amazing people that I'm meeting on a daily basis. And I, I'm, I've always been fascinated about people and how they get their beginnings and how they start and where they come from and how they do the things they do. And I thought, God, I'm, you know, no one's written a book about kind of their beginnings and what was that spark that inspired these, these artists to become who they are. So I used my time um wisely and i just basically started doing interviews with these artists one after another it snowballed uh, and then i was offered a publishing deal to, to to publish the book and it came out and did really really well and and since then it's been a it's been my career um, has been kind of a, a lifelong journey in and out of the Irish music business uh, from from TV shows to live events to radio programs to podcasts and it's been an absolute honour to to meet these people and, and kind of share their stories and, and just sit in rooms and listen to these amazing people. I love it. There's so many that are uh, integral in the book. I'm going to focus on three of my favorites here and uh it's going to be the three c's um and the, it's the cores cranberries and chieftains maybe some recollection on those three c's uh from your perspective yeah look i think that, that those three are you know incredible institutions of Irish music um, from from different genres, be it the cores with pop, be it the cranberries with rock and be it Paddy Maloney who's in the book God Rest His Soul from the chieftains in traditional Irish music which is, you know, um, so close to everyone's heart here in Ireland and um, all three um, crossing over from their domestic successes in Ireland to be kind of heard worldwide in some cases with Paddy Maloney and the Chieftains, his music was sent off into space. I think they said, I think they took one of his instruments and sent it off through NASA um, off into space as, as a kind of a recognition of, of his amazing music. Um, I think sadly, you know, of course, Dolores passed away uh, and what an amazing leader of a band and a unique voice, a Celtic kind of, you know, haunting voice that she had and, and sadly missed and the cores who were, became this kind of international pop sensation and recently I was only talking about them yesterday actually um, with an amazing Irish music manager called Brian Whitehead I met him yesterday and he was saying God you see how well the cores did in Australia last week they did a kind of a big kind of reunion type concert a couple, couple of weeks ago in Australia and it went down really really well and of all the people that I interviewed in the, in the book for all those um, stories, again, you know, a lot of, of the, of the uh, you know, where their inspiration came from, a lot of it came from their parents and a lot of it came from hearing music in the house for the first time and hearing kind of family and friends pick up instruments and, and, and that love and sharing of music is what got them started. Um, but again, you know, like, 
I always say, Buzz, you, you look at the size of Ireland, our population is only well, close to 5 million people. And the, the amount of artists, this small island, you know, on the, on the, on the, the Western seaboard of Europe has, has given birth to is, is slightly astounding, really, per head capita of the country. It's, it's amazing the amount of artists and different genres that the country's produced that have been sent all around the world. And although there's only five million of us on the island, there's probably 55 million around the world of Irish kind of, you know, ancestry. And it's, it's amazing the way our stories and our music spreads. The stories of U2, how do they spread through Ireland? Yeah, I think U2 is interesting. I think U2, um, there's, there's various camps in Ireland of, of whether you love Bono or you don't love him. And I would be a massive fan of Bono. Um, and I'm a massive fan of, uh, fan of the group U2. They really are the pinnacle um, in the rock world. Alongside, look, you look at the Cranberries and the Chieftains, you know, and, you know, I, I, I was thinking about the book earlier on and, you know, bands like the Dubliners, you know, like, you know, the, like Bono would have, would have, would have mentioned them before, Ronnie Drew, what a lead man he was. Um, but Bono is this amazing, charismatic, brilliant songwriter, brilliant voice and, and, uh, and an amazing um, human being for all the work that he does around the world. And his, his latest show, his one man show that he's doing about the book he just released. I haven't seen it yet, but by all accounts, it's just, it's absolute gold. Um, and there's a bit of a love hate in the in the population of Ireland with you two back and forth. Some people might go, "Oh, they're a bit kind of Irish people don't like people that that." Uh, some Irish people don't like people who show off a bit or are a little bit successful. I think there's the old adage that if you in America, if you see a guy on on the hill with a big house, you'll say, "Wow, what a success that guy! I want to be like him." Whereas there's some Irish people, there's a bit of begrudgery, and they look up at that big house on the hill and they go. I'm going to get that guy. I don't like that guy. So there's, you know, but I'd be in the camp of a massive fan of U2 and all that they've achieved and what they've done for this country in the sense of, you know, um, selling our country to tourism and being ambassadors for, for, for our country. Favourite Van Morrison story involving you, whether it be a good outcome or a bad outcome? Yeah, I, look, I, I suppose Van is... Uh, uh, legendary in his interviews, uh, whether you, you get banned on a good day or a bad day. Um, look, I think sometimes the reason we love these artists is not because they're brilliant at doing interviews, would be always my view. You, you know, it's just because he's a little bit kind of cold in interviews shouldn't really determine what type of an artist he is. And like, you know, when I hear, say, a song like TB Sheets, uh, or like just some of the tracks that he's done, be it Gloria with them or or whatever it was. He's an amazing artist, and uh, I wouldn't hold it against him that he's quite a, a difficult interviewee. Um, I'd be very much about like him as a performer, um, but I think his reputation precedes himself. Absolutely, that wasn't a trick question, by the way. I, I was wondering. <laughs> I mean, he's Van, so he can kind of do what he wants to do is how I look at it, right? Yeah, I think he, I think he's built up enough credibles to, to get away with it. I'd say so. Yeah. The late John Prime spent a lot of time in Ireland, I know, uh, as a result of being married to Fiona and, and her heritage. Did you ever have any encounters with him as he sort of became uh, one of yours? I didn't. Um, I know that uh, the, the, the radio uh, group that I work for, RTE Radio and RTE Radio 1, um, would have a lot of specials uh, around John. Um, and I think there's an interesting, 
there's a lot of artists from the States who came to Ireland, be it folk music or country music. Um, you look at Johnny Cash and, and some of the tracks he did with some Irish artists here, Nancy Griffith, who who came to Ireland and really found um, Ireland. I don't think these artists found kind of common brethren with Irish songwriters. There's, uh, you know, I think it's, I don't know, is it's kind of a soulful, earthy kind of sound that we have here in Ireland that people like John, the empathy of the of of our landscape and heritage and music. There seems to be a common bond there, and there's a lot of artists from the states who f- who came over here, and we welcomed them with open arms. And there's a lot of come over here, and we'll we'll look after you, we'll mind you, we understand you. And I think that happened with John uh, and and artists like Nancy Griffin, people like that. Um, so I don't know what it is. I think that's it's probably worth the documentary. Buzz, I think there's something. I think when you have you ever have you been over here, Buzz? Have you been turned? I have, uh, and uh, I want to be back. <laughs> yeah, because I think, you know, I, the, 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 there might be an interesting documentary there for you, Buzz, to come over and take a walk over here and, and maybe talk to some of the songwriters over here, um, you know, because um, there is there's something there between those type of artists and that type of music. I'm looking at flights right now. <laughs> so I would be a love it to death. So as far as, like... Uh, concert experiences um there's obviously so much music everywhere there's big shows there's medium shows there's small shows there's you know just the local pubs now what are your some some of your favorite experiences in terms of seeing live music it's a really interesting question i always remember uh one of my there was a performer years ago uh, in ireland he sadly passed away a, a gentleman called joe dolan and Joe Dolan sang kind of, you know, early school rock and roll music. He was part of the show band scene back in the kind of the 60s and 70s. And everyone in Ireland knew who Joe Dolan was. And I remember one of the first concerts I ever went to as a child was in the Glen Eagle Hotel, which is a famous hotel in Killarney and Kerry. And Joe Dolan almost had like you could say a residency in it was like an Irish Las Vegas uh, very small with not much lights as the same as Las Vegas but Joe used to do gigs in, in the Glen Eagle and I always remember as a as a he kind of had this Elvis vibe kind of you know showman uh, he had these famous songs called uh, Make Me an Island um, Such a Good Looking Woman um, brilliant performer and I'll always remember one of the first ever concerts I ever went to as a, as a, as a, as a child was and like uh Irish parents back in the 80s used to drag their kids along to these late night shows. Probably not legal, but we were all there together. So there'd be pints flowing and getting out. None of the children were obviously drinking pints, but we'd all be there in the big, there'd be like the room should only take about 400 people. There was probably 900 people in the room. There's pints flying everywhere. There's packets of crisps, kids running around. I'm there, I think I'm eight at the time, and I see Joe Dolan on the stage. And he had this, and it, was, it still sticks with me now. He's on stage performing. All the kids are up the front. Everyone's having a great time. And he used to do this thing where he, he'd be sweating profusely. Um, uh, while performing, and he used to get the, his finger and he flicked the sweat off the off the front of his brow, and all the women would go, "Oh, Joe, oh, that's fantastic!" And I still remember that, being, like literally scarred as a child, going, "What is that man doing? Spraying his 
spread all over the front row of the audience. But you know what? They're great memories. And we're very lucky to be brought to these type of gigs at that age. And then kind of gigs throughout the years. We're very lucky to have some beautiful venues in Ireland. Um, my, one of my first concerts as a, as a teenager, we have this beautiful theatre called the Olympia Theatre in Dublin. Uh, it's in the city centre of Dublin. And I always remember as a 15-year-old uh, going to see Ocean Colour Scene uh, on Valentine's night. I still remember it. Uh, there was this, this kind of four-piece kind of uh, Paul Weller kind of 60s The Who type band. Um, and they had a huge hit in Ireland years ago called The Riverboat Song. And I remember going to see them at the Olympia Theatre. And then over the years, been very, very lucky to go to various different concerts in, you know, all over the place. And But those kind of, I suppose, those formative years of growing up, I'm sure it's the same with you, Buzz, when you're at that age of kind of, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, you remember those moments where you got to hear an album for the first time, be it um, like Dave Grohl was in Dublin during the week and it, and even hearing his name instantly brought me back to hearing Nevermind for the first time and getting it on a tape on a school tour and it had been passed around the bus and people going, have you heard this? Like Nevermind by Nirvana. This is unbelievable. And, you know, just those just memories, just uh, they're just fantastic to have. Um, I'll never forget that I've been on a school tour coming from the Burren, which is down in Clare, and people just literally passing a Walkman around the bus to hear Lithium or, you know, um, um, Smells Like Teen Spirit or all those songs. And they're just, you know, just lovely, lovely memories. So describe the sound of, of radio in Ireland to someone from the US. Um. Irish radio is really unique, Buzz, in the sense that it has a huge daily listenership. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's something it's something along the lines of like 82% of all Irish adult population, population listen to an Irish radio station every single day. We absolutely adore live radio in Ireland. And the way it breaks down is you have local radio stations. So every county has its own local radio station. We have regional radio stations um, for the youth. And then we have national radio stations. There's about kind of commercially and publicly about, I'd say, 40 something radio stations, maybe 50, and then lots of community radio stations around it. And it's a mix uh, with the local radio stations. It's a mix mix of local talk and kind of, you know, um, kind of AC, adult contemporary type sound music. And then you've got your kind of national radio stations where you have your usual mix of a CHR and an AC and, and you have a rock station and you have kind of that. Um, uh, but one of the big things that we have in Ireland is that we love, as you can probably guess from our conversation, we love talking. Uh, and there's a lot of mid-morning programs that are all talk-based and, and they do really, really well. Um, and there's a there's a particular anomaly, a lot, anomaly, anomaly? I can't even say that word properly. In uh, Ireland, there's a, a presenter called Joe Duffy. And as you know, Buzz, been a radio man, usually the peak of a radio station is it starts off, morning breakfast goes up and then kind of just goes down and then a small little spike on drive. But what happens in Ireland is with this show, uh, with Joe Duffy's show is, Morning Time, the biggest radio show in Ireland is called Morning Ireland, which is like a kind of a talk current affairs programme. It goes up, it peaks, and then there's a giant peak at lunchtime where this guy called Joe Duffy comes on and does a programme called Liveline where people phone in and just talk about their problems of the day. 
be it controversial problems or something that's in the news. And he's a brilliant communicator. Absolutely fantastic. Just brilliant at listening to listeners and talking. And then it goes down. And we have some really amazing radio personalities and speakers. And uh, we're blessed to have them, you know. Um, so the radio scene is, is quite healthy in Ireland. In, in we, lo- we love live radio. And with podcasts, um, I think the, the recent Reuters report that came out for Europe is like the, 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 the fastest growing listenership in Europe for podcasts is in Ireland. So we've, we've kind of, we love our live radio and we love getting stuck into podcasts as well. So. And what's the state of uh, country music in, in Ireland in terms of popularity and who are some of the artists that are popular? There is a variety of um, country music is massive in certain regions of Ireland. So, you know, you've you've artists like Mike Denver, uh, Nathan Carter, um, people like that who are just, you know, um, massive performers and, and in, in pockets around the country. So country music would be massive in places like Monaghan, in Cavan, Kerry, Cork. Tipperary, that area, not as big in, and it's a weird thing actually, like it wouldn't have massive local country artists in Dublin, but whenever an American country artist comes to Ireland, um, they will sell out Three Arena, which is our biggest kind of, you know, um, arena that we have in Ireland, which is 15,000. Garth Brooks came over in the summer and sold out like five stadiums in five nights in a row. Um, so the, you, you have these kind of two tribes in Ireland. You have people who just absolutely adore country music. And then you've got kind of what, what I feel kind of snobbish kind of people who go, well, country music is not, you know, it's not real kind of music. And it's kind of, well, it is really music and it's really, really popular. And um, so I think the scene is definitely growing in Ireland, but there's a slight disconnect regarding the city audiences in Ireland as opposed to the country kind of listeners in Ireland who love their country music. So it's a weird kind of balance. It's definitely two tribes of people. Um, but again, local country scene does, does really, really well in Ireland. And there's a lot of different artists. I must email you a few and send them on to you. Um, but, but a very healthy scene. I do want to acknowledge back to your book that you uh, wrote the book in terms of benefiting a charity called Fighting Blindness. Uh, can you talk about that charity? Yeah, they're a charity who have been going a long time now. It's twenty years since I did did the book, um, but they are still on the go. It was for people who had degenerative eye disease, where they were slowly losing their eyesight. And and this organisation called Fighting Blindness were at the time one of the leaders in research and how to to combat that. So all the funds from the book um, that we raised went towards that. Um, it was a kind of a close charity to my heart at the time, and. Um, um, and I was very proud to do that for them. Um, and I think the plan is hopefully maybe, you know, to do a kind of a, a new version of the book. It's 20 years on um, and see, will we update it with kind of some of the newer Irish artists that have come to the fore, like Dermot Kennedy or Hosier, um, who probably were only babies uh, when the first edition of the book came out back in 2003. That's awesome. So in closing, I know you follow radio all over the place besides uh, your your home country, so I'm sure you follow it in this country. Could you give operators, owners in this country a piece of advice that would be meaningful to their future? Don't fight the future. 
I think there's a lot of radio groups worldwide who seem to have forgotten why they were popular in the first place. And I think that they're worrying too much about the competition and not worrying about the basics of what made them successful in the first place. Even simple things like, you know, automating your overnights, you know, put people in there, put them in live, give them a chance, let them do stuff, let them talk about things, discover your new talent. And I think that radio groups around the world syndicated so many of their stations, networked so much of their shows that they just took, ripped the heart out of them. And they kind of took away what made them special in the first place, which was it's a one-to-one medium in a live moment where you can change someone's life, literally. And I don't mean that in a kind of a schmaltzy Hollywood kind of way. I think we became too obsessed with, with, um, with data. I think we became too obsessed with, you know, just kind of cutting everything to the core and forgot about you know, people always wonder, like, you know, who's going to replace these amazing big names as they pass away? And, and the answer is nobody, because you're not sitting down and developing talent. You're not making, um, you're not using your medium to discover these stars. And it's no surprise that, you know, I remember doing a talk at uh, the All Access radio conference in LA about three, four years ago. And I, I sat in a room and, I, and I, I said, you do know that kind of Amazon, Spotify, you know, all these companies are doing radio. That's what they're doing. That's what they're turning their, their platforms into. They're, they're pumping money into discovering talent and they're going to pump money into podcasting. And kind of kind of people sniggered in the room at the time. And I was kind of like, guys, you know, you have this wonderful opportunity, but not fighting them with technology, fighting them with talent and keeping what's special about live radio. So I'm very passionate about that. I'm very passionate about discovering talent, finding great storytellers. And I think that maybe operators, if they they, you know, if they kind of took back some of their day parts and put people in there and let them make mistakes and, and take ownership of and say, look, just go out there and do two or three hours, see what happens and, and just find these new stars. Like, where are we going to find the next generation of radio broadcasters? And um, they're going to come from podcasting because these people are going on podcasts and they're making mistakes. They're putting stuff up on YouTube. They're taking a chance and they're finding their own tribes. And I think radio stations need to spend a bit of time um, finding the next generation of, of of broadcasters. I feel like I'm I'm doing some sort of a sermon, <laughs> but I'm very passionate about it, and I think that, that that's the only way radio is going to um, you know, save itself and stop from eating itself. You know. Bravo, Alan Swan. Thanks for being on Taking a Walk. It was my pleasure, and thank you so much for having me on. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. 
Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 